we continue worship. Uh, grab your Bibles if you haven't already. And, uh, turn with me to Joshua. Uh, chapter 4 as we uh, look at uh, you know, what the Lord has done and what that may mean uh, for us today in these ways.
rest area, to be careful as we go into the vending area because if one vending machine may attack us. And you all are laughing because you get my point. You get it, right? But we're really good. Our brains are really good at that. In fact, what we're learning is one writer that I've read uh, and interact with on a good occasion states this. Our brains are thumb rope for the bad and Teflon for the good. We're really good at letting the bad stick. The good, not as much. And I know I've shared that with some of you in other settings. And, and, and I think that's, that's, there's good reasons, and I won't take the time today because it's not the point of this message to reflect on how that is true and how maybe the scripture reveals that. But instead, just realizing that if someone asks you how your day went, we're really good at giving four or five things that didn't go well. But it takes us a little longer to reflect on something that was good and memorable in those ways. Which is why memorials are important. We, on this Sunday, remember. Now, for our youngest people here, whether you're online or those of you here, you know of the importance of a day like today only because it has been recounted. But for those of us who are older, we know. But memorials are important. They help us to remember the past. They are powerful as terms of tools of healing. But I'm here to suggest this morning that we need better memorials. I'm not against the memorials we have. As I've already said, and, and I will say again and again, our, our memorials that we have that commemorates days like September 11th are important, are necessary, and we can't, um, we can't not have them, in my opinion. But sometimes, we, are, we need to have better memorials. And this is where I think we're going to see in Scripture here, which is a pattern time and time again as we come to the Lord's table, hopefully very soon, that we are encouraged to remember, to memorialize certain things. And as we come into uh, the book of Joshua this morning, you know, the nation of Israel is at a pivotal time period in their nation. Moses, their great leader, is dead. Interesting enough, if you read in Scripture, there is no memorial to Moses for a reason. God, in his wisdom, knows that. Uh, to be honest with you, if I could have my wish, which I probably won't, if I could have my wish when I die, there will be no memorial to me. I will kind of fade off into oblivion, you know, to go be with my Lord. I realize that's not going to happen, but I can have dreams. And, and uh, delusions. Uh, so don't crush that for me today. You know, but but it, there's a wonderful thing because what he left wasn't about him, it was about something greater than him. And so we come into this time, Joshua, his, his uh, cohort, his assistant, his, his second in command is now taken in and the nation is getting ready to go into the promised land. For 40 years they had wandered. For 40 years, they've been waiting for this moment. And we read 
here in Joshua chapter 4, the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan. The Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up the twelve storms from the middle stones, from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you will stay tonight. God is calling the nation to remember what has happened, what has just happened. He wants to etch in their memory what they have experienced, because as awesome as our brains are, we are really good at forgetting. We're really good at not remembering. And he's asking the nation to remember the good that has happened right among them. And so he's going to do something very important. Now the Ark of the, the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant, that the priests were. This was a reminder of God's presence. So it's not like what Indiana Jones is going after, just this great piece of history. No, it was that. It was the, the art of God was this idea that God was with them. So this wasn't just any 12 stones from the Jordan. This was right where God's presence was supposed to, was, was symbolized within the ark. Those 12. Now, I, I didn't find any great uh, significance, you know, uh, that to these stones. But I, I, when I first read it, I'll be honest with you, in verse 5, Joshua tells the, the representatives go, each of you should take up a stone on his shoulder. So we're talking, we're not talking little pebbles here. Okay, we're talking a large amount that they're going to build this memorial. But unlike some of the memorials we have, this memorial wasn't because something tragic happened there. The souls weren't to remember that someone passed away there. It wasn't to remember of just history. These stones were reminders of God's character. The God who is present in the Ark of the Covenant, present in what would become the temple, was present there in such a way that the Jordan River stopped flowing at flood stage. This wasn't the Jordan River in the middle of summer like we are in now, which isn't much. This is Jordan River at the beginning of spring, March to April, where the snow and the rains of the previous month are rushing down. No small feet to walk across this river drop. Now, if you're a Bible reader or you're a student of Scripture, you realize that something like this has happened before. You realize that something like this has happened before, and it's going to become clear to, to a, if a Jew were to read this, remember Joshua was asked for the nation of Israel to remember where they came from and who their God was. We read later on in this chapter, verse 19, on the tenth day of the first month. The first month of the Jewish calendar. Anybody know what monumental events happen in the first month of the Jews' calendar? I know I'm asking hard questions. Apologize. The Passover. 
Okay, and what does and what does the Passover represent? They're saying leaving Egypt, the Exodus. There was a sea that was in the way, the Red Sea that was in the way, that they walked through on dry ground. Right? We see a new generation has come up because the previous generation forgot. And we may look at the stories of, of the Old Testament of Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy and wonder how they can be that way. I mean, come on, this, this is a group that saw a pillar of fire and a cloud uh, that protected them. They walked through the dry ground, and yet they forget who God is over and over and over. And yet, if we are honest, that is us. Uh, I forget if it was, I was talking to John uh, Flutter or another, but when I read uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, I have great sympathy for Moses. I mean, he had a hard time. You know, unfortunately, I've never been, and no one I have ever passed, and this is, I'm not being uh, sarcastic or facetious, I've never passed with anybody like Moses had to leave the nation of Israel. Okay? Uh, I've had much better people uh, graciously by the grace of God for that. Uh, but, but they forgot time and time again who God was. I mean, they had manna every day, they had quail, yet they still forgot who God was because we, we forget the good. And, and as we see the nation come to the promised land, we see that God is saying, look, twelve stones set them up as a reminder of my character. But interesting enough, what God does and command Joshua and the nation to do is put a big sign up to tell the story so anybody can read. Wouldn't that have been nice? Yeah, God doesn't do that. He wonder why. I mean, that would make it so much easy. You just keep walking, and if you're walking in what becomes known as Gilgal, maybe you're following the Jordan River, and, and your family's out on a nice picnic, and you see this stone, and you go, oh, I wonder what that's about. Oh, there's a sign. I'll just read, and I can read that the God of Israel took the nation, his nation, through the Jordan on dry ground, and that's these 12 stones. That would be pretty, that would be our way of doing things, right? That's what we do with memorials, rightfully so. But God didn't want just a memorial that anybody could go and read. He wanted a place where conversations could start. Not where someone could read a, a part and say, oh, this is what happened at this site, but to sit there and go, hey, Daniel, why are there stones there? And Daniel was to have a response. His response was to tell not just what happened. The response was to say, see, because it says in verse 6 and 7, in the future when your children ask, what do they mean? You are to say, you are to tell them that there was a time when we as a nation had the flood rivers of the Jordan stopped up so God could bring us to his place he had promised us. We were the recipients of God's blessing. God showed up in a way 
that we never thought would happen to our people. These stones are to be a memorial for the people of Israel forever. These stones were not just a history lesson. These stones were a reminder of who God is and what God is capable of. Interesting that this place, what became known as Gilgal, should serve as a tremendous place of remembrance in the nation of Israel's history throughout. Samuel was there around them. Elijah, Elisha have quote unquote offices here in Gilgal. It is around these stones or within a seeing distance of these stones that they are constantly remembered. But if we were to read on in the story, we know there's going to be another pile of stones come up and we'll see. But that just goes off into oblivion. The pile that would be known as Jericho. But that's not the time the nation was to be reminded. They weren't to be reminding of Jericho, though that would be a great memorial when God showed up in a way that the walls fell in or fell out, not in, as a reminder that God had done work. But he's not reminding them that he's just a warrior God. He's reminding them of his faithful, covenantal love that he has for them by bringing them through the Jordan River on dry land. This is why I think we need better memorials. We need good Memorials, memorials that pronounce the goodness of God and how God has shown up so that we can have hope. We need good memorials in that way. So on your hand up this morning in your, in your bullets, if you have it, if those of you watching online just make note, what memorial can you create to pronounce this is when God showed up and showed off in my life? That will become a conversation starter. We have this, to some extent, our culture understands this. We have things in homes and places that are known as statement pieces. Or uh, something that is just kind of neat where someone will go, hey, I kind of like that. What is that about? Could be a color of a wall. You know? It could be a mural on a wall. It could be a coffee table. It's unique in some way. Something that piques the curiosity of others in such a way they go, what? There's something neat about this. Tell me about this. See, because if we can, if someone asks us a question, they're interested in the answer. If we just proclaim the answer, they may never be interested. We, as God's people, we have the answer to life's issues. But sometimes by just going out and telling everybody, here's the answer, and we're right there, or we tell them, just read the answer, guess what? They're not interested in the answer because they've yet to ask the question. And we've not made them curious enough on what the correct answer is. Does that make sense? So good memorial. Create conversation which produces hope. Good memorials also help us anticipate the future. 
stones of Joshua 4 was not just to point back. But any time in the nation of Israel's history, when they weren't sure that God could do something, these stones stood as a witness to say, if he did it then, he could do it now. If he did it then, he could do it in the future if he so chose. A good memorial will help us to anticipate the future. It's not about just a memorial to look back at what has been done. As if we can reclaim the past, relive the past, or live in the past. But instead, we must anticipate the future. Which is why it is fitting we celebrate the memorial of the Lord's Supper. It's not just about the past. If you do the devotions that are found on our website or, or in your handout, you will know that we will be in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this week, hopefully. You know, or 1 Corinthians chapter 11. You know, where Paul reiterates what he received from the Lord, very much the same words that we find in the Gospel of Matthew and of Luke. And he, he says, I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. And he goes through and he says, but he says, we, whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we don't just reflect back and remember. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim there is a future. A good memorial like the Lord's table, like communion, like Eucharist, whatever words you want to find to, to capture it this morning. Doesn't just have us look back at the cross, but let's look forward to the fact that if he did something great once, he will do it again. That's why we need good memorials in our day. One of those good memorials, I received an email this week from a pastor of uh, the church we served in Michigan. They are celebrating today their 152nd birthday. That's a good memorial to celebrate. And uh, they have just kindly, warmly invited us up. But I figured I caused enough anxiety last week by not being present here that I wouldn't do that two weeks in a, in a row or there may have been, you know, hospital business to do. Because I know some of you were quite anxious. I apologize. I didn't inform you quick enough of where I was last week. I know Jeff did wonders, and I appreciate Jeff and, and those who took care of things. But a wonderful memorial. You know, we as a church have two years to prepare for our own kind of We really need to do this well. Okay? We really need to do this well. And I know we're coming up to budget, so, you know, I've already mentioned this before, and it's not just for Jeff, but budget finance, we need to start budgeting to celebrate well our 150. Okay? But we're not celebrating when we do that. What they're doing today, they're not celebrating how great of a church they are. They're celebrating God's faithfulness to a community that a church is staying in the middle of their community by cars for 152 years. In spite of many other things. And they're proclaiming as we will proclaim here in a couple of years, that as we have been faithful witnesses of God's gospel for 150 years, so by the grace of God, we will be here another 150 years, proclaiming the character of God, 
where people will say, where maybe they'll even look, hey, in the homes of our kids and our grandkids, what is that? And they'll say, let me tell you a story that was passed out of me by my father, by my mother, by their mother, their father, of a day when God showed up and showed up. Do you have those memorials? Do you have those times? Have you etched them in your memory? And if not, I would encourage you to do so. Quickly, I will try to tell you uh, in about 60 seconds how you can do that. One, bring it to mind. Two, take notice of all the senses you have around us. What do you smell with that memory? What do you taste? What do you touch? What do you see? Ingrain that in your head. And then thirdly, remember I. I can still tell you, to this day, I was on a trip in the middle of Tennessee, the one and only time I did really like primitive camping. Okay? I had a tarp this way, I had a tarp this way, with a little bit of a breezeway so that when it was hot, July and August, which it was, I at least had some air moving across me at night. I was on a trip, we were doing very primitive things like uh, whitewater rafting, the pool, uh, lots of times of, uh, we did rock climbing, we did splunking, uh, caving, and such. And I can tell you almost to the detail exactly where I was when I had one of my memorial homes. Do I have a monument up? Not yet, probably should. So my kids would be curious of what happened. I can tell you though. I can tell you exactly what it was like. Now, interesting, until I started that portion of the story, I forgot that the harsh part of that is uh, it was a church trip. We had a church bus. And anybody know what happens on a church trip with teenagers in a church bus? It breaks down. It broke down like 20 miles from our starting points. We spent hours at a gas station waiting. Beth, does that ring a bell for you recently? You know. All right. We were setting up even our primitive camp by the headlights of the church vehicles. Because we were delayed three hours. And when you get to the woods of Tennessee, West Virginia area, it ain't bright. But I can remind, I can remember within a moment some of the neat things that happened on that trip that have nothing to do with the band breaking down and everything to do with my own Jordan River experience, my own time. I sure did say create those pieces. And this is why we, in our tradition and culture, come to this table about every month. Because we want to remember well. It's true, Scripture doesn't say how often you do it. Some of our brothers and sisters do it every week. And I know for some of you, that would be like, oh, I would get so routine and just part of the normal. I would submit to you so does once a month. Because see, it's not, you can go by any memorial, and unless you're intentional, it's just a part of life. But if you're intentional, it isn't just 
a memorial to be a part of. It is something much deeper. Hence why Paul says that we each should come, when we go to the table of the Lord, we shall examine ourselves. We shall take a time to stop and reflect. One, not are we invited to this table, but we have we accepted Christ as Lord and so we can take from this table. Are we proclaiming the Lord's death and resurrection? Or are we just consumed? And if, we're, if we can say yes to the first one, how many of us say, am I also going to proclaim that he's coming again? And then in the meantime, my life is such a living memorial that should pique the curiosity of others that they will go, what is it about you that this is possible? And you tell the story of how God has shown up and shown off and salvation in your life. Can you stop and examine? See, because we can do this every single day, and if you're intentional about one, wow. The Lord showed up that last time. And this will never get old or stale. Even if it's done the exact same way. Or if we only did this as some churches do, once or twice a year. Scripture doesn't say they had to do it every week. We can come to that one or two times and go, well, this is the special day of the year, kind of like Christmas and Easter. And miss the importance. Or anywhere in between. It's not a matter of whether the bread and the cup and the juice are packaged together or separate. You tear, you dunk, or it's in two. But as with any memorial, people can walk by and never go by. Our nation is filled with memorials, as it should be. But just because they exist doesn't mean people know why they are there. Because unless a curiosity is proved, there are no questions. Where there are no questions, we don't care about the things. And so as we come to this memorial table, we proclaim the past, but we anticipate the future. There is a future. And since God did something great that, that was at the back end of this memorial the first time, wherever you are caught in your own life, you can do something great again. Doesn't mean he has to, but he could. And if you can, there is an anticipation of what may happen. Boys, do you look forward to Christmas? Kind of. Kind of, yeah. I mean, they've already been asked what they want for Christmas, not by us. Uh, why do you get excited about Christmas? Cinnamon rolls. You what? Cinnamon buns, cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls. Why do you anticipate cinnamon rolls for Christmas? Because we do it all the time. Christmas break. Why did you just lick your lips as if you were eating a cinnamon roll for Saturday? They're good, aren't they? Yeah, and we only have them on Christmas. And we only have them on Christmas. We probably need to change that, don't we? Yeah, maybe. Okay. They anticipate, he anticipates cinnamon roll. Why? 
Because last year we had them. If we never had them last year, he doesn't know to anticipate them this year. And even if we didn't do them this year, he would go, I remember we used to have them. Right? That's the same thing we're doing here. The Lord who conquered the grave back then may conquer our grave today because someday he is going to conquer the grave forever. And there will be, as the book of Revelation says, no more death, where the old order of things has passed away. So we have hope about tomorrow. I don't know what tomorrow will look like. It could be an awful, no good, horrible day. Or it could be a day we go, wow, I saw the Lord. And I think if we learn from Joshua, if we learn from what the Lord did here, is there are times when we have to sit down and create a memorial and say, I saw the Lord today. I may not see him tomorrow, but it doesn't mean he's silent, because he can show up at the time. So that is what we do as we come to this table this morning. So let me pray over this element as those who are going to come and serve will, will kind of make their way down as we take some time to remember and to proclaim the character of God. Father God, we thank you for this table. We thank you for this time to stop and to remember. We're not always good at remembering. We're not always good at remembering the, the bad, but Lord, we are going to, or remembering the good. So, Lord, we're going to stop and intentionally just reflect on your goodness this morning. Reflect on your goodness of who you are. You are God of grace, of justice, of faithfulness, of love. So much that you gave your one and only Son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. That you provided the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to accept through the Son, Jesus. And that when we live in submission to Him, there is always a hope about tomorrow. With, that as rough as our today is, tomorrow may be the day we are living. And again, because we remember that you are active in this world. So Lord, as 